Welcome to the Jersey Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast covering the champions of Scotland. Um, it feels good saying that. It's been an emotional day for everyone connected to the club after title number 55 was secured. A day we've all waited a decade for, but um, it makes it even sweeter uh, to be celebrating yet another, another title win after so long. We have uh, we've dealt with a lot over the past decade, um, from administration to liquidation, Division 3, working our way back up the leagues with more than a few bumps along the way. We've had to put up a lot from all corners of the game in Scotland. We've taken our medicine, but now we are back at the top of the pile. Natural order has resumed in Scottish football. We have added to an incredible honours list. There could be even more celebrations in the weeks ahead as we continue to compete in Europe as well in the Scottish Cup. Um, but the league's been wrapped up. We've done it in style, dominating the domestic scene all season. 28 wins, four draws, zero defeats so far. 77 goals scored and counting, as well as just nine conceded. It has been quite incredible. Um, now, this isn't a conventional Jersey uh, flagship show tonight. We're giving you five guests for the price of two. Um, and we're going to try and work through some sort of agenda there's a good chance it'll just be a bunch of grown men busting out tears every time they try and speak. Um, in any case, joining me, and this, I don't know if this is from drunkest to, to least drunkest, but um, we have Ross, who, <laughs> judging by the by the schoolboy grin on his face, has had a few. Um, Alex joining us, Doogie, Stuart Wheels come along for the for the ride, and Ian Duff is also here. It is a smorgasbord of staunch. Um, but, to, but to begin with... Uh, We'll go to Ross because I'm I'm keen to hear him, keen to hear his first thoughts on his day. Ross, how, how many drinks you had? Um, how many is too many? <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is, if you, you say in your intro there that there may be more celebrations to come. If there are, I might die because it's it's, it's been a long. I was just saying just before we come on air, you win the league at two o'clock. You've got a podcast at half past nine. What do you do for the seven and a half hours? You enjoy yourself. Oh my God. I um, what a day. Uh, and I'm so pleased to be here to be able, you know, everyone's in lockdown. Everyone's having to enjoy this in the comfort of their own homes. I'm so pleased to be able to sit here and talk about it and enjoy it. And I, here we go. 
And um, I'll come. I'll come to you now, Stuart. How how did you enjoy the the United game today? Well, thoroughly. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think it was everything you probably expected it to be. That you kept waiting for Celtic to actually score a goal and take it on for another week. Um, except that it didn't happen. And and to be absolutely honest, making a performance today typified Celtic season that they flatter to deceive. And you know. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I made the point that when people were saying, well, Rangers are X number of points in front, but Celtic have got 24 games in hand or whatever it was, um, you, you you were looking at Celtic winning these games in hand or people were looking at Celtic winning these games in hand when there had there actually been no history this season of Celtic managing to win two games in a row, never mind three or four or five. And I think today you could see why. It was, a, it was a long, long 90 minutes. And then when the goalkeeper gets a bloody nose for saving a shot with his face and he ends up getting patched up and they, they then put the clock on saying nine extra minutes. You know, I thought it was back in Cyprus in 1988 or whatever it was um, where uh, uh, the, the sort of uh, lucky bag watch. But it was, you know, I think after yesterday, in Rangers winning, I think everybody saw it as being done and dusted. And today was the Cremola foaming top. Yeah, agreed. Um, Ian, you're, you're in a unique situation in, in England. Obviously, you, a lot of your mates down there will be looking at this, you know, and we discussed this off air, but this achievement and what it means to, to us, obviously, we know all about it. But you were just saying how, how unbelievable a story it is, really, for people outside the club. I think it's, I was saying off, off air that uh, it's bigger probably in some ways for people outside the sort of Scottish football bubble if you like and the, the, you know, when you think of what happened all the, the carry on uh, 10 years ago and then over the piece over the last 10 years how things have progressed and the you know, bumps in the road I mean there, there were more, more like uh, sort of small mountains a lot of the time so you know it's the story when you you live in it you don't really notice it, but people I, I talk to down here just can't believe it, you know, and they just think it's an incredible story, and it, and it really is, you know. I think we just don't we don't think about it really, but when you actually stop and think, or thinking back to some of the things that have happened over the years, and you know, my abiding memories, uh, Jim White's interview with Charles Green in his hospital bed, I mean, that'll always live with me for the rest of my life. You know, that was just the most surreal thing I've ever seen in my life. And, <laughs> Yeah, it just seemed like a normal, another normal day in the life of Rangers at the time. So it was just really bizarre. But it's it's brilliant to be here now. Yeah, Doogie, do talk me, talk me through your get up tonight. Your 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 outfit. I mean, does anything else need to be said other than number fifty-five? We are the champions. Ah, oh, great! It's a nice, it's a nice flag. My it's brother nice kindly nice. dropped it off this evening to the house. <laughs> Lovely. Um. Alec, I've deliberately done this, Alec, just to let you sweat through you well, because I was, I was hoping that you would think I wasn't going to come to you. I knew about a million thoughts would be going through your head. So just tell me what is going through your head at the moment, Alec. Um, why did I start drinking so late? <laughs> <laughs> I can understand what Ross is going through. <laughs> no, I, I, I literally have no idea. It's usually, it's usually when I start drinking that I start getting emotional, but the past couple of days I've actually had to drink to stop myself getting emotional, <laughs> to see anything, you know, uh, 
it makes any sense. It's just, it's, I think a lot of people out there, every Rangers fan will know exactly how um, I'm feeling. Um, it's been so long and we've wanted it so bad. And as Ian was uh, saying, what we've been through has made it so intense um, that you almost can't believe it. I thought I was fixated on the, the unbeaten run. You know, that's why I, I'm thinking, why am I panicking that we might not score against Livingston when the, the league's already in the bag? Why am I panicking, you know, in the depths of despair because Hamilton Ackies have equalised in the last minute when, when the league title was in the bag? And I think what it's been is I've just needed something to panic about to kind of keep everything in check because this is just uh, the greatest title. I know we, we'll get people of uh, various ages on uh, tonight and... I've been texting and talking to, to people that I sit beside at Ibrox and that, you know, like people in their 20s who this, this is the first title they remember and they're, they're in tears and all that. I said, don't worry, we are as well. Even the oldsters, this is the most important title in the history of Rangers. And as far as I, as far as I know, we've won quite a few titles. This might be, I think it's mid-50s, you know, but aye, this is... <laughs> I haven't seen anything about that. Has anybody <laughs> mentioned that? Right. <laughs> they, they give these stats out, Ian, I don't know what they're... <laughs> Quiet about it, but I, it's it's uh, it's absolutely immense, and um, I'm just hoping I can get through this without uh, bursting into absolute floods. Yes, I, 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 I agree. I think uh, you know that that intro was hard to get through without getting a bit emotional. But um, no, it's going to be a good night. I think we'll all be able to get what happens worth in. But um, yeah, I mean, what a day, what a weekend it's been. It's been pretty special, and I think everyone knew we could win the league this this sorry this um, this weekend. But actually, until it until it happened, until we started playing the way we did yesterday, um, I thought it was an incredible start to the game. It really was, and I thought the I thought the performance was up there with the best of the season, certainly the first half. Um, but to be honest, we're not going to touch too much on the game yesterday, weirdly, because that is usually what takes up about three quarters of this podcast. But tonight, we're going to look at more just this incredible achievement and what we've done and, and, and the people that played the biggest part. And we'll try and squeeze it into the next 40, 48 minutes or so. Um, and we'll go through different bits and bobs. But I mean, for all you guys that have joined me tonight, thanks very much. And, and for anyone that's listening um, as well, I hope, you, I hope you're enjoying yourself tonight and, and really taking it all in because I think it will take a few weeks before we're all truly believing that it's actually happened because there's been a few points Zine says that um, you know it felt like it was never going to happen but anyway it has happened so let's talk about that um, Ross I'll come to you first you know I've, I've just mentioned there yesterday's game was was so fantastic and the scenes after were great but I think there was the pessimists always were a bit like oh Jesus Christ surely not um, but it was great just to get that that result today Um to just absolutely solidify our place as champions. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, like you say, we, we probably won't talk too much about the intricacies of yesterday's game, but it was a wonderful performance um, and a great result against a team that's done really, really well this season. And, and Jim Goodwin set them up uh, probably for one of the, if you're a St Mirren fan, um, you're probably thinking that this is one of our most successful seasons ever. And so we've come out against the only team that's beaten us this year uh, and put in a really, really good performance. And, and and we've all seen the videos flying around social media of the celebrations after that game. And there was a wee, uh, a wee element of, wow, this could be a real anti-climax if, if it doesn't happen this weekend, because we now have next weekend off. It could be another couple of weeks before we win the league, uh, you know, against them at, at Parkhead. So, um, 
that being said, I think we all sort of had a feeling that it was going to happen. After after the build-up yesterday, seeing fans congregate outside Ibrox at, at 10 o'clock in the morning yesterday, uh, the way that we put St Mirren away, the celebrations in the dressing room afterwards, the party that's been going on outside of Ibrox all day, um, and the fact that Celtic are absolutely dreadful at the moment. I think we all just knew it was going to happen today, and and it did, and it, it's it it just feels wonderful. You know, we are sat here on the seventh of March, winning the league, not not even just pre-split, but pre the game that is pre-split. Uh, to win the league at this time, um, I just feel so proud and so happy. And you know, me, David, you and me were were comparative teenagers. You know, sitting here going, we, we, it, it, it's been a long time. It, it, you know, relative to our short lives of how long we've had to wait for this title, it's incredible. Uh, the feeling to get this over the line, even though we we weren't on the pitch winning it today we won it off the pitch we 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 won it dependent on other results it's just it's phenomenal i don't have the words for it i really don't we've waited so long we've been through so much we've all we've all referred to it there in our wee introductory spiel um we've gone through so much hurt and pain and i think today uh, as fans we didn't have to worry about a performance we didn't have to worry about um you know players letting us down we could just sit and watch them implode again watch them fail to score ink again um and that gave us the chance to to reminisce about where we've been over the last 10 years because we didn't have to worry about selections we didn't have to worry about Gerard making substitutions and not changing the game and this and that we could just sit watch them and take it all in everywhere that we've been from from breaking and the ball landing on top of the hedge through to disappointments that we've had at Hamden, um, through to failing to get promoted out of the championship, we could sit and reminisce over all of that. And now we can let all of that go. We can say goodbye to that chapter. Uh, it's just the most spectacular feeling. It really is. Um, I'm so proud. I'm so pleased. Um, and I, I think a few sore heads in the morning. Uh, including yours. But you actually, you actually make more sense drunk than you do sober. Um, <laughs> but Alec, Ross makes a good point there. I mean, him, him and I are probably of an era that, that saw success with, with McLeish and then Walter Smith's team. So, you know, we've, our age group, sort of late 20s, have seen an, a good element of success. But the thing that for me is, you know, those, those kids, you know, late in their, in their teens, late teens that, that have never seen us win, you know, a league title. Talk us through, I, I just kind of want to talk a wee bit about the past decade and, you know, there were moments there where you didn't know what the future held, you didn't know what the what the following season held for us. Talk to me about the, the last decade and, and what this title means in the context of, you know, looking at our club from from that Valentine's Day in 2012 until now. Um, we, we need a, we need a hundred pods, uh, David. It's I. I have to be honest. I have to be upfront here. I, I I think it is. It's an extension of that thing in my nature. Um, but I, you know, I, I was paranoid about the game the other night, and I'm I'm getting myself worked up about an unbeaten run. But that's not really the issue. And back in 2012, I, I thought we were gone. There's a lot of Rangers, there's a, there's a thing to be said 
you know, that's seriously unstaunch. You should never be, you know, saying that we were away and that because we've got so many. I, I didn't know anything about corporate law. I didn't know anything about tax, and I just thought we're getting liquidated, you know. And um, we'll come on to the end, maybe towards the end, we'll we'll we'll, we'll give it our thanks to people. We'll talk to people, uh, you know, give give people a special mention. They deserve a special mention, and there's some people uh, who've who got me through that time. Um, and I wasn't, I didn't even want to go to Brecon. I had a ticket for Brecon. My, my pal Gary, a boy I worked with, um, play fives with, absolutely tremendous guy, the, the Temple Loyal. Um, he said, I've got a ticket, I've got a spare ticket for uh, Glebe Park, big man. You know, um, do you fancy it? And I was like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> because I I was gone. You know, I just, I just thought, um, I never thought I would be there at, I think Rangers was something that was going to last. It was born before me and it was going to go on after me. And I, I loved that about Rangers. And even just the accusation from the haters out there saying that we had, you know, died. Um, I didn't even want to, I just didn't want to be there, you know, like what could possibly be the first game of a new Rangers, you know. And then I got a flipping German magazine because the whole world, as you were saying, as Ian was saying, the whole world just sees exact sees this story with um, an objectivity that we perhaps don't. Because the whole world wanted to be there, a German magazine couldn't get El Freund couldn't get in, so they phoned they they got in touch with me and asked if that you know, when I was a Rangers fan, could you go on a behalf and do a report on this game? You know, so I get back in touch with Guy, <laughs> uh, and the ticket was away. So I know the Rangers are in great hands because there's fans out there who have a loyalty even deeper than me. Um. And I was I was at breaking that day. I saw the ball going in the hedge. And by the way, Ross, however much you've drank, just keep it at that. Your medication's absolutely perfect, mate, because you had me nearly gone there. That was beautiful. Um, but I I was there that day and I just couldn't believe that we were going to keep going. That it was going to I thought there'd be a wave, a wave of loyalty um that would eventually dissipate um as the reality of how long it was going to take us to get back up the leagues and and win win the title again would, would kick in and Jesus Christ the Rangers support just just rose to the occasion and don't don't go under any illusions this isn't just Celtic's um, kind of bogus 10 in a row that we've taken today that's just a bonus for us that's just something to, to snipe about that's just a that's just an added bonus we were we were just wanting that title for ourselves we were wanting 55 but it's not just their 10 yeah, their plastic 10 that we've taken off them today we've also taken off Celtic their kind of self-appointed mantle as the great martyrs uh, the great romantic story of Scottish football. This is the greatest story <laughs> in the history of Scottish football, what we've actually achieved today. Because if even guys like me who had, just all I ever thought about was Rangers, if even we, if even guys like me thought, no, we might, we might not come back. I mean, this went every week. I still, we were still going every week. You know, just like, you know, your pals are going, you couldn't get the habit. It was just, it was an instinctive thing. Um, then it really was bad. It really was bad times. Um, and for us now to be champions of Scotland again is is absolutely amazing. Um, I've I was there. Eight, eight, I was eight, coming on nine when we won the league in '78. Um, and won the treble that season, and then we didn't win it again until 1986, 87 under Sunis. I thought that was hard times. But we were winning league cups. We won about four league cups in that time, and it was it was Aberdeen and Dundee United that were winning the titles then, uh, as as much as Celtic more so. Um, and it was just what we to actually not have a single kind of major trophy in the last ten years. And you're talking about people who don't remember it. The wee guys outside Ibrox yesterday, and the wee girls as well. 
so many of those people, and we can't obviously we don't condone you know the protocol breaking up with the COVID, but to see them there when they've not even had a single major trophy in their lifetime to sustain them, to see them outside putting on a welcome for Stephen Gerrard that um, I was just so grateful that they that they let him know how much we love him and how much gratitude we owe him. I was just so grateful that they were there thanking him, that somebody was letting them know. And to see them doing that when they had nothing to sustain them except just loving being Ranger supporters, it just it means everything I felt in 2012 has just been buried, blown out the water. This club will, once you've been through something like that, you will just will never go away. And uh, the last 10 years, it was horrendous. But by Christ, when you come back from something like that and you've survived it and you've excelled, it's it's just the most sustaining thing ever as a football supporter. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, agreed. Um, it was interesting you mentioned Stephen Gerrard there. Dougie, uh, last night, obviously, our, our WhatsApp group was was on fire, but um, it seemed like that. I, I, must, I was getting videos of celebrations from all, all angles. Um but it was good to see the players let loose a bit last night, even though technically it wasn't over the line at that stage. But, I mean, and then <laughs> some of the videos were great. And then to see the manager doing a cleansman across the changing room, <laughs> being covered in beer, was just just one of the great the great sights of this, this title-winning period. Amazing scenes, as you say. Um, Rangers Twitter in particular was just amazing yesterday. It, it beats Casper Kenty, that I'm sure everyone remembers very fondly. Um, I loved looking at my phone all day yesterday. Scenes from were were amazing. Um, at that moment, I was realised that Steve Earle was the lad in the when he was across the room floor and beer. It was amazing, and those opinions all in my direction just now. Things that my dad has always is it great success. Gerard said it in his interview sniff what it feels like to win at Rangers now my sounds dodgy <laughs> so Stephen Gerrard now has a sniff of what it feels like to win at Rangers and I tell you what he's going to want more and as a Rangers fan when you hear guys like Stephen Gerrard saying he's looking forward to next season man that feels good yeah um, Ian I think the, the biggest thing for, for this season and, and the thing that's been quite incredible, and I mentioned the stats at the top of the show, the consistency has been, I mean, see that, even that stat, the nine goals conceded at home, I couldn't believe that even when I heard it yesterday. And I've heard this stat, I mean, you, you hear them every week, but you don't really take them in. And it wasn't until yesterday I was thinking nine goals and, you know, I think 16 games. It's been unbelievable. And actually the, the level of performance, not only to win games beautifully, and, and brilliantly like yesterday, but when you look at um, the, the Livingston game midweek and, and we really dug in and that was probably the first time this season where I've felt like we we, we were champions in, in that sense, you know, and we were grinding out victories, but it was great to see us, to see us do that and then play like we did yesterday, but I mean, the consistency has been incredible. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's frightening really when you look at the, the home record this season, 100% record, I'm not sure how many games it is now. Is it six, 16 or something like that at this point? And, you know, and even in the the best seasons, we've enjoyed, I mean, I've seen Rangers win the league. Well, I've been alive when Rangers have won the league 20 times. So some of that was slightly before my time. But even in those, the the, the peak seasons where we were at our, our best, 
we weren't as consistent as this. We weren't winning every game. We weren't defending so well. We weren't uh, getting results where we weren't playing as well. We would drop points or we would lose games. This season, it's been one of these cases where you just thought, they're going to do it. I mean, there's been maybe two or three games over the course of the season where that hasn't quite been achieved. And the fact that they've been jumped on so so quickly and everyone's got so uptight about it, it just shows how much of a an anomaly they were for, for this season because, you know, the rest of the time, I wouldn't say we're comfortable, but we've just been relentless. I mean, that's, that's probably the word for it, is relentless. And it's been great to see, and, you know, it's been a, a a style of football that you know I've not seen Rangers playing since the Dick Advocate era, and and even then it was, you know, that was more about bringing in the best players. Whereas this is more, I, I appreciate this more because it's we've we've picked good players to fit the style, and they've they've created this this team, and it is much more of a team than individuals. So it's not just a case of you know give it to. Give it to Loudrop and he'll he'll do it. Or give it to Gaza, he'll do it. You know, brilliant as that is, it's it's a team. And you know, even when players like Ryan Kent haven't been doing individually the things that we might want them to do, they've been contributing as as a team player. And and you know, they've all they've all done their bit all the way through the season. And that that's what is probably the the the, the thing I would take from this season most is the, the the teamwork and when you look at them celebrating last night you can see where that's coming from because they're obviously you know looking at it from the outside you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and there was a lot of talk at this time last year after uh, some of the, the the bad results after Christmas last year that the team the dressing room was was divided that nobody liked Gerard that you know that they were all falling out with each other well I, I that may or may not have been true at the time I don't know. But at this stage now, I can't believe that was ever the case because that that team there is absolutely unified, and you know, it's it's really it's, it was great. That was seeing that last night. It was great to see that because it it just showed exactly what was uh, had been going on throughout the season on the pitch. Yeah, um, Stuart, you you've covered a lot of Rangers title wins over the years. Um, you know, and we look at we look at big wins like nine in a row, and even even in the McLeish years, you know, there's a couple there that were quite special in, in the way they were won, um, as well as Walter Smith's second era. But where do you think, in terms of importance, and Alec has said already that he thinks it's the most important in, in our history. But you know, what what's your view on that? What how in the context of of how we've won this, and and after how how many years? Where does this rank? Do you think the point that Alex made is is entirely valid because if you think I mean I, I remember Rangers breaking Celtic's stranglehold when they'd won nine in a row the first time and Rangers won the, the last of the old league titles um and that was in what 75 so I can remember a a, a a time when much the same as now Rangers hardly won any league titles. The difference was that Rangers were winning league cups and Scottish Cups and dramatic finals and had won a Cup Winners' Cup during that period as well. And what Alex said there about Rangers not having won anything, okay, you can discount the Petrified Cup if you like, uh, but the, 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 the fact of the matter is that there's an entire generation almost who have never seen Rangers win. So I, I think for maybe older guys, like, well, that, that, I'll limit that down to me, this this is a, a a significant 
win for Rangers simply because I don't I, I have no recollection of them ever coming through a period like this previously. As I say, when Celtic won nine in a row in the late 60s and early 70s, Rangers were still winning major trophies, especially the Cup Winners' Cup, and there has been nothing like that. So if you if you listen as well, um last last year I was aware that you know, Celtic were already talking about ten in a row this time last season, when even before they they'd won the their their ninth title or been, you know given their ninth title. So I think and as well, if you heard that last week when Neil Lennon left, the interview the last interview that he gave, that they were saying about you know you've you've missed ten in a row. And he actually said, Oh, we've missed 11, 12, 13, because they were actually, they actually thought this was almost like a dynasty. They almost thought that this was like they were wiping Scottish football out for the next 10 or, or 15 years. It was always going to be them. And to be honest, the reason that they haven't won is that Rangers have and Stephen Gerrard have produced the most incredible performance this season. But the other is that you suddenly realise that 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 Celtic frittered away 10 years of an advantage that they had over Rangers, be that financially when they were guaranteed money in the Champions League and have done nothing with it. And now, 10 years on from when Rangers were in the bottom tier, Celtic are having to undergo a rebuilding process. So the whole thing, the whole thing has, like an egg timer has canted and suddenly Celtic are looking at it as if we're going to have to spend big, big money now, Rangers have won this title with the most amazing performance, and as, as, as Ian was saying there, I mean, you look at it and you look at the league table and say, how can that be? Well, we've seen how it can be with a level of performance, but you're also looking at Rangers not having spent anywhere near the money, personally, that I think Celtic are going to have to spend to get back on an even keel with Rangers, because Rangers have done it, I mean, like financially prudent over the last couple of years, and they've built a team which is a team. As a team, the team is greater than the sum of the parts because there's guys in that Rangers team just now, there, there, there will be better players out there, but as a team and as a unit, Rangers are all conquering. And I think that is entirely down to the the atmosphere within the dressing room. We saw that yesterday. I used to get, I was very lucky years ago when you would see, you would go away to Choco and training trips and you would see Ian Ferguson sitting down with Peter Hooster, or you'd see Davey uh, Robertson sitting down with Mikhail Achenko blithering away, and you'd be saying, you know, I didn't realise there was any kind of relationship with these guys, but you saw that yesterday. That was a, that team was really gelled, and everybody was in it for the bigger, the greater glory and the bigger picture. And I think that makes Rangers, you know, strong favourites going forward again, even into next season. Yeah, I think also a big part of the you know the title win, and obviously a massive part has been Stephen Gerrard. I think we'll take a bit of time to discuss his impact on the club. It's something we've touched on a lot um, in previous podcasts, but you know the biggest stick to to beat him with has always been you know the lack of silverware. Well, listen, that that has been blown out of the water now. Not only has he brought the league title back to Tybrooks, but he's also provided us with. An incredible level of consistency, both you know at home and abroad. I think over the past three years, Ross, I'll come to you on this. Um, you know, when he came in, 
I, I don't think anyone would even have given us a chance to win the league. And I think they would have expected them to fail like managers before them had failed. Um, we were on our knees at that point. But when you look at the, the bigger picture and, and, the, and the, the, the impact he's had in our club, how, how big is it? I think it's I think it's immeasurable. Um I, I and I we were we were back in the top flight of Scottish football, but we were not challenging. We were not a, a title winning side. And and so he, he came in off the back of that season where we finished third again, um, where Graham Murty was installed as an interim manager and was subsequently sacked as interim manager, and Jimmy Nickel was brought in as interim interim manager. Um that that season, you know, you think back to it, it was a it was a shambles, it was a disgrace, it was it was awful. It was really really tough to to, to watch that. Um, and he came in, and I'm not surprised it's taken three years for him to get to this stage because the the overhaul that was needed. As you look at the players that we had in place at that time was 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 incredible. Um, so the impact that he's had in terms of recruitment, first of all. He's brought in a, a different caliber of player. Absolutely, I think the recruitment has been phenomenal. That's not that's not all just down to Gerard, of course. You know, firstly Mark Allen, I think needs to take a lot of credit for some of the players that were identified, and then subsequently Ross Wilson as well. Um, so recruitment has been has been very very good, but the mentality and the ethos um, that that has been installed since then. Uh, is what's driven us to win 55. And I, I don't know if you remember, David, but when Gerard first was appointed and, and started taking his first training in that pre-season, uh, which must have been what, three years ago, would have been season, what, 2016, 2017, 2018? Yeah, 2018-2019. 2018-2019, right. Um, there was a, a video that came out of pre-season and, and we all went mad for it as fans because it was a wee clip of Gerard at a training session and he was criticising the players for saying, don't just, you know, you lose position, don't just kind of jog back to, to get back into position. I want you fighting. I want you hard going in and win the ball back and being hungry. And that's that's what's changed. That's what's changed. That's the, the, the drive, the hunger to win the ball back, the high press obviously taken from um, his kind of mentorship under Jurgen Klopp and the Gegen press and all of that. Um, that's what's changed is the attitude that he's instilled at that club. It's laid the foundation and it's taken a couple of years to get there. And it's taken a hard couple of years, by the way, you know, let's think back to where we were 12 months ago, losing to hearts in the, in the cup, losing to Hamilton after that, um, a really, really difficult couple of years for us to get to this place. But he's he's managed to recruit. He's managed to change the mentality. He's changed the atmosphere around the place. The impact that he's had is is as I say immeasurable. Um, I can't think of any other manager who was available at the time or subsequently has become available who would be able to do what he's done. Uh, so I, I you know it was a I suppose a, a perfect storm. It was the right guy at the right time, coming to the right club. And it's all worked out. It's all worked out. And it's taken three years, but there was no one, you know, think, like I say, think back to where we were that season under under Pedro, followed by Marty, followed by Jimmy Nick. There was no one coming in who was going to turn that around and win us the title within a year. Absolutely not. Um, Gerard has done the best that anyone could have hoped for. He's delivered 55 He's stopped the fabled 10 in a row. Um, 
I, I think he's done a, a spectacular job. Yeah, Alec, I mean, you look at you look at Gerald and parallels, you know, were obviously made at the time between him coming in, being a Liverpool legend, and, and obviously Graham Souness coming in. With you being the Graham Souness of this podcast, um, with your forthright views and um, hard tackling, you'll remember back to when Souness arrived. Now, what are the parallels? And, and now, now we know because it was easy. It was easy to make that connection when he came in at first. But now we know the job he's done and he's delivered the league title as as Souness did, albeit Souness in his first season. Um, but can you see that? Can you see the parallels between the two of them as managers and you know in terms of the impact they've made on the club? Absolutely, yeah. And by the way, the only, the only real parallel I've got with Graham Souness is that he his thighs were too big to get in normal trousers, you know, because they're so muscular. <laughs> My thighs are too big to get normal trousers as well, but it's it's nothing to do with the muscularity. I can tell you that. Um, I I think the two of them come in and drag the club up by the hair uh, when it was required. Uh, as Ross has just has, has just said, the the levels that they brought um, or the levels that were absolutely needed, and in both occasions it was epic levels. There's a lot of talk. We, um, especially when we're getting Pedro Cachina and or, or Mark Warburton, we get confused as to why it's certain aspects, they're, they're not working out in certain ways. And you get a lot of talk about a real Rangers man, somebody who's played for the club, um, you know, somebody who's maybe stayed in Lark Hall and, you know, his, his family's in the arms. Look, how, you know, a guy, a guy who knows, a guy who knows the club. But as we, as we actually have found out through the years, a real Rangers man, it's, it's a character thing. You don't need to have been born. Uh, even in Scotland, you don't need to have even come from Glasgow. If you understand what it is to have to win every single game, um, if you know what it is to have uh, families out there they just depending on your result to to make it a good weekend, you know. And this is the thing I hate about you know, as Rangers fans, we're, we're castigated for oh my god, you've, you've not won a trophy in ten years. Well, there's fans out there, their, their club has never won, has never won a trophy. Why are you getting so excited? Well, because we're the the biggest support in the country. So, and we're so far ahead of every other club in terms of support and infrastructure, other other than one. Second is failure. Third place is disaster. And as we've all found out at weddings and funerals and every other kind of social occasion at our workplace over the last ten years. If Rangers don't do well, people will let you know. People you didn't even know were interested in football will come to you and get in your face about it. People you have never said anything bad to in your life. People you have never slagged their team if they have a team. It's 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 a hard it's a hard shift. You know you get the glory days, but when it's when something goes wrong, anything goes wrong, you know all about it. As soon as and Gerard totally understood that, and yeah, they both they both take that on. Um, and I think in the last week, Stephen Gerrard has epitomised why he's perfect for us to juggle, um, even if you go back to the Royal Antwerp game uh, at Ibrox, to be able to come out uh, and castigate uh, young Nathan Patterson while also supporting him, to, in the same interview, praise Alfredo Morelis while also letting everybody know that he, is, he does want to leave the club. You know, and, to, and that's why he's doing so well in the Europa League. Um, to get on the park like the classic good foul, you know, like we all know there's a good foul in a game. Um, it's worth taking a booking. That's what Stevie G did at Livingston at half as a half time whistle went uh, last Wednesday. A point had to be made, and maybe maybe to his own players as much as to the referee. 
Um, that was the time that Stevie Gerrard behaved for once, anything remotely approaching um, the man who's been in charge uh, across the way for the last few years. But it wasn't a scattergun. It was, it was, it was on point. To, to, to do all those things in a kind of compassionate way, as well as a you know effective way, to juggle all those balls, you, you, you're not you're not playing at it. You're not trying to impersonate somebody who cares. You're not trying to impersonate a manager. You have to be someone who has been soaked in this game and soaked in a city that is divided into two and is united by a passion for football. Steven Gerrard, I watched the, it was the, the, the Hamilton game, uh, the day with Hamilton equalised in the last minute. That night, I'm flicking through the channels. There's an old, uh, there's, a, there's a, a film on, a foreign film, Swedish film, or subtitles, just so we dirty, I'll watch this. Um, and it was it, it turned out just, just a corny kind of um, a corny kind of melodrama. Long story short, uh, I know the lady who's been married for forty years. She uh, she gets divorced. She she's sick of her husband, and to pass the time, she ends up taking on a local football team, a local kids team. And she knows nothing about football, but she's got to give them the kind of Hollywood style, the, 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 um, the kind of trope at the end, halftime rousing speech. And she doesn't know she doesn't know how anything about football, and what she just says to them is. Gerard, because earlier in the movie, somebody has tried to explain to her uh, what is beautiful about football. And the only thing she remembers from what that guy was telling her is Steven Gerrard. And he just said, and he talks about the 2005 Champions League finalist character, and the only person's name he mentions is Steven Gerrard. We have a manager who's an international synonym for coming back from the dead and bringing glory back to us. The other thing he's best known for is not winning a league title. And I'm just so glad that in Steven Gerrard bringing us back to the ultimate glory from the brink, we've also been able to give him the league title that he needed. Um, the man is an absolute legend. And if he left tomorrow, I would never have a bad word to say about him. And I don't think any other Rangers fan would. It's been, a, it's been a, a pleasure to have him at our club and um, I just hope he knows how much we love him. Yeah, I agree with that um, completely. What was the question? Sorry, mate. I was, no, I was, I, I was sort of wondering where the Swedish film thing was going. I was, I was kind of dreading where we were going. I've got a collection. I'll just... I worked out all right. I all right. Um, just, just on that point, Dougie, do you know, it's interesting because you look back to, you know, not, not so long ago, it was, it was only a year ago, just around this time, maybe a wee bit earlier in February, when we lost at, at Tynecastle that night in the cup, um, that was a pretty bruising uh, defeat, and there was I think there was genuine feels that Gerard was considering, you know, can I can I get this going? Can I get this team back to any form of glory? And then COVID comes, and you know he and his coaching staff obviously gone away and thought about you know. What was going wrong? How how best to fix it? And and I mean I think I think they probably fixed it. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, how, what does that say about him and, and his staff that they could go away and and be so sort of self critical and, and look within themselves and find the answers? As I answer this, I hope most people can hear me after my last connection problems. Um, but yeah, thinking back to that Hearts game, I was chatting about it tonight to my mates. And Gerard said in his post-match press conference that he was reassessing his position as manager of Rangers. And you know, you've you've said it, you've said it yourself, David, and, and Alex has made a separate point. There's there's two things in my head just now. One, 
from a mentality perspective, as, as Alex said, I don't think there's many people who could have fought their way back from the position that we were in at that point, the defeat against Hearts. And as my wife reminded me this week, as one of the days that was an emotional mess, um, that I came back from the Hamilton Ackies game, which was which was twelve months over twelve months ago now, um, and I actually said I think the Stephen Gerrard project is is over, and and I genuinely thought that he was going. I thought that after the Hearts game, after the Hamilton Ackies defeat, I thought I thought he was over. And one of the things that you interestingly said there was was around COVID. Now you'll hear a lot of people talking about the impact that COVID has had on football. For me, one of the things about COVID is it allowed Stephen Gerrard that time to reassess. I genuinely think there's a, a huge part of our success. It comes down to that period where um, Gerrard and his backroom team could sit down together and could talk about what's going wrong and what do they want to do differently. And I'm sure it's definitely one of the, the post-match press conferences I've, I've, I've watched recently. I'm sure Gerrard touched on the Zoom calls that he had with each player individually and with the team as a whole. And I can only imagine what a Stephen Gerrard Zoom call is like. I imagine Stephen Gerrard sitting down with each player individually and setting out exactly what his standards are of this football club because he's a man who's set the standards since the day he walked through the door. And, you know, I know there's a lot of love for Stephen Gerrard today and it's deserved. He's not alone. You could literally go through his entire backroom team just now and just say a massive thanks to each and every one of them because for me, they've, they've all played... And an enormous part and the most exciting thing for me and, and I said it in the last time and I don't know if it get cut off is Stephen Gerrard spoke post post, uh, post um, pre-match post-match last time around um, at Livy that he's just got the sniff this is, this is a man who as everyone's talked about he's had a lot of success in his career as a footballer Jamie, Jamie Carragher's talked about he's immersed himself in everything that's Rangers. This is a man who gets it from the minute he drove towards Ibrox yesterday, um, St Mirren. Um, he gets it. He gets what it means to the supporters. This is a man who's here for a few more years yet. And I tell you what, we've got a lot more to win this year. You know, we've spoken about what's on the table. We can go invincible this year. There's a Scottish Cup now to be won. Who knows what we can do in the Europa League? And then next year, it's all about retaining. And, and and I am genuinely excited about what Steven Gerrard can do with this Rangers team. Yeah, that, that's a good point about, you know, that there is still quite a lot to play for. Um, Ian, in the sense of, you know, Rangers, and, and, and certainly for myself personally, I, I love the traditional Rangers. I love the, the sort of historical stuff and, and the way managers conduct themselves at Rangers. And there was always a, a worry for me, you know, going through the, all these managers that we've had over the past 10 years, there's never really anyone that, that deserved to be in the seat. I, I never felt um, long-term. Gerald's the first one probably since Walter Smith where I felt that what he's achieved has is, is, is solidified himself, you know, his status as someone who's very highly regarded by the club. What I want to ask is, do, do you think that this this title win in, in this season solidifies his place as a, as a club legend? I'm always a bit wary about the word legend because everyone's got their own idea of what it means and, you know, it gets used quite a lot now in terms of people that probably aren't legends and you've got to earn it. Um, 
I think one sense, yeah, he definitely is because he's done what we all wanted him to do and he's done what a lot of us thought was never going to happen is that he's won the league back. He's taken us to a level where we're stronger than in Europe than I think we've been in. Even in the season we got to UEFA Cup final, you know, we, we got there through hard work. This he's he's created a team here that's that can compete properly at that, at that level. Whether we can do it to the next level or not, we'll see next season. But so in that sense, and in what he's achieved, and and just even in winning this league alone, yeah, legend. Whether that is a long term thing in two or three years, will we'll, you know will we still be calling him a legend? I don't know, but I. I to be honest, I don't really care. At the moment, all that matters now is is he's achieved what he's achieved, and that's the main thing. I mean, he's he came in as a player, a world class player. None of us knew whether he was going to be a good coach or not. None of us had the faintest idea of what his coaching uh, abilities were going to be. We knew he was a, a name. We knew he was going to put us on the map. We knew he was going to help attract great players or better players than we were getting already. But we didn't know whether he actually had the ability to turn those players into a team that were, were capable of winning things. And there's, pl- there's plenty of examples of world-class players who just haven't got that ability because part of it, I think, is they can't work with people who aren't as good as they are and, and they get frustrated and they, they don't know how to motivate them. They don't know how to, to get them playing for them. And that's sometimes why play people like Alex Ferguson, who were average players, are much better at managing uh, teams. Gerard initially maybe seemed as if he was a, a similar type that you know there was a, you could see an awful lot of frustration with him in the first couple of seasons where players weren't doing what he thought they should be doing and weren't performing to the levels that he thought they should be performing to. I think he's developed over the years into accepting that and knowing how to deal with that. And I think a lot of that is probably down to his, his backroom team as well and and those guys who are able to bring out. The, the abilities of these other players and he's you know sort of understood that it's more of a team game and it's more of a uh, it's not just about individuals because I think as a player he was he was Liverpool really wasn't he I mean he was the the driving force that Champions League final that they won it was almost single-handedly done by him so he's probably used to that and whereas he's developed over this over the last few years this ability to to actually work as part or have his players work as part of the team, so he's not bothered if uh, if these guys aren't as good as him or as good as he wants them to be, because he can see what they're doing and they've all got a job. And if, as long as they do the job that he wants them to do, then he's happy. And I think that is how he's changed over the last, certainly in the last twelve months. I mean, even a year ago, you could see that frustration after the Hearts game. You know, I think nobody would have been surprised if he'd uh, left at that point. But uh, you know, I think he's maybe just had time to to look at what he thinks a manager should be doing. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm interested in, in this point, just finally on Gerald. In the sense of, you know, on the on the training pitch, in the, in the dugout, you know, he's been a revelation for us. Um, but I'm interested in the, you know, in, in the terms of the club as a whole. Certainly this season, it's felt like he's had a lot more um, power in, in, in running the club you know, like an old-fashioned manager. Has is, is that been something you've picked up on, just the change in his ability to control the narrative? Because even up until he joined the club and then beyond that, probably, there was always a, a you know, our, our ability to, to control the narrative and, and, and have the best sort of um, image as a club was never 
on point all the time, but it seems to be this season that Gerard has sort of begun to manage the club rather than just the team. I think actually what's happened is he's grown into the job. He's been here for three years and if you like, the first two years were building a team and trying to build a reputation and playing by the rules. And I think he realised now in his third year, it's time everybody else played to his rules, be that the team or authority or maybe even those on high within the club and stamp his authority on the, on, on the club and make it his team and his club. And I think that's what you're seeing. You don't you don't want a hundred and odd England caps. You don't want a Champions League. And you know, as Ian said, you are not the guy that basically carries a Liverpool team for the best part of a decade without having a, a you know being steel willed to 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 drive people and other you know other folk forward and drag them with you. And that's probably the most difficult thing. You might have the ambition, but it's taking people. And instilling that same dream with them, and I think that's what I think that's what he's managed to do. Classic guy of in terms of you know as he says, a world class player, and it's very difficult to impart what you do without thinking into somebody who's got to then think about it. The guy who did that and ended up doing it and becoming a great coach, David Cooper. There were two players: those that could play and those that couldn't play, and the ones that could play. You spent time with them, and the ones that couldn't play, you just made sure they gave you the ball. And all of a sudden, you realised that if you showed people different things, they will become better players and better team players. And I think that's what Gerard has done. Gerard has taken individual players and has and has said, "This is your job. This is what I want you to do." Gerard's done a fantastic job, but somebody touched upon it earlier, and I'm not quite sure who it was. It's like if you look at the coaching that Rangers have done as well, the coaching, you know, I spoke to a couple of ex players and a couple of ex managers and likes about this, this Rangers team and how they how they go about their business. And they have said, each and every one of them have said, this current Rangers team is coached to within an inch of its life. If somebody goes out of position, you fill in. If somebody's dragged in this this way, you you do this. If somebody else, you know, is, is supposed to go forward or bomb forward, somebody else covered the space. The only time it hasn't happened this season was because, and you have to give credit where credit is due, was Jim Goodwin came up with a game plan to stop Rangers playing in the areas that they're most comfortable in. And he's the only guy that's done it. But see, by the time the following game came around, Rangers had actually come up with a plan B and a plan C to actually counteract anybody that was trying to do this. And I think that is that you know going forward is a measure where Stephen Gerrard is not only as a coach but as a manager and a man manager. And when I say man manager, I don't just mean players. I mean setting the narrative within Scottish football, be it in the press or be it with authority, and also having a voice when it comes to decision making upstairs at Ibrooks. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. No, I'm aware of time. We're sort of running out of time. We did plan to We're go all there to the first hour. <laughs> We're here until midnight. Uh, we did plan to go and speak about the players a wee bit. I think just, just to touch on maybe a, a few of them, I think I think special mentions for me and the current team, James Tallamere and, and, and Alfredo Morelos, who have, have probably taken as much stick as any other players in our recent history, um, both from, you know, 
from opposition fans, whatever. Um, but they've they've stuck with it and, and they've got their just rewards. I think Stephen Davis and, and Alan McGregor, you know, have shown their experience this season. And really all the players, I mean, you would have to mention them all. Um and and the and the impact they've had. What I, what I was keen to do for the last last sort of part of the show, I've I've added in a wee bit about just just some final thoughts from other guests tonight. Um, an open forum, get really for for all of you to share your views on on today, what it means, who you want to thank. You can cry, you can you can scream, you can do whatever you like. Um, so for instance. I think, you know, the biggest thanks that I could give to, to anyone within the, the club would be obviously the people who stepped in and, 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 and saved the club really uh, when we were under, you know, the, the most horrendous circumstances in 2014. Um, but, I mean, as well, in a more personal note, I mean, when I look at this title and what it means to all of us, I mean, thank my own dad for taking me to watch Rangers when I was eight. For the first time, uh, to be able to celebrate this today and to just soak it all in, I think you know for me it's still not something. I, I still can't believe it's it's actually happened because it's felt like it's been a long few months since October when we beat them at, at Parkhead. Um, it's been a pretty full-on couple of days. I think it will take a few days for it to sink in for me, but um, yeah, that's 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 my biggest thing. I think the people that save the club. You know, certainly in 2014, I think was the biggest moment in their our history. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll come to you first, Alec, because uh, I'm I'm scared that you'll start crying if we go around everyone else. So if I get to you first, then you can do it. Then you can just cry on mute, and everyone else can get their turn. So, what are your thoughts? Who would you like to Who would you like to pay tribute to, or, or what would you like to say as your final thoughts tonight? Um, I well, my wife, um, for. Uh, just being an absolute legend. Um, she has strong Rangers sympathies. You know, somebody who goes to goes to the games, but in the, the last ten years, we've uh, lost. She's lost both her parents, um, who both had strong Rangers sympathies, um, and it's been it's, it's been it's been hard going. And you're looking to your team to sustain you through that, um, and the team were going through a terrible time. And that leads me to the, the, the less personal, but in, in some ways just as personal thanks. Uh, for me, there wouldn't have been... A, I'm, I'm not, you're absolutely spot on, David. You're so spot on. The people who come in to properly save our club um, at a boardroom level. But for me, there, there, there would have been no club um, if it wasn't for Ali McCoist, who I think did something that only Willie Waddle has... Willie Waddle's... Uh, the way he dealt with the Ibrox disaster, the way he he basically put the club on his back and carried it in the wake of that, I think Ali McCoist is maybe the only man uh, in our history to face something like that because it was there was you know five minutes to five weeks where he was the club, um, he was the one we all looked at, he was the only link. Um, but most of all, it's just it's the other Rangers supporters for me, it's the other Rangers fans. Um, who, who who kept us going and at times uh, kept me going. So uh, I'm just going to raise a wee, a wee glass. And uh, to all you guys at, at Jersey, I've just come along this season, but um, all, all you boys here, um, Frankie behind the scenes, who's done a fantastic job. Um, I used to have to check in with you in previous seasons to keep me going, you know. Um, and uh, Colin Armstrong, a legend who's not there tonight, I just want to thank every Rangers fan out there and enjoy this, guys. 55. Yes. Stuart, in terms of you know what Alex said there, who, who do you think is is the 
is the one who deserves the most credit for for what's what's taken place over the past few years. Or, or you know, who who are they rather than just one person? Um, I'm I'm pleased that Alex actually raised McCoy's name uh, because I think he almost did damage to himself and where he was as a manager and as a coach and what he was trying to do at Rangers at that time. And I think, you know, without him galvanising a hell of a lot of people, namely the fans, and getting them going in the same direction, there might not have been a club. Um, I, I, listen, I, I think Rangers are in a position just now that's down to certain things, and I'll, I'll only take it over the last couple of seasons, and that's and that's to do with the, the, the players. The p- players now have a belief. I think the there were two sets of circumstances this time last year that happened that have assisted Rangers. One was that the season finished and Celtic didn't strengthen and they, they, they only tried to paper over the cracks and there were major major faults and major defects within that team. The, however, you still need to put somebody out in the park that's actually going to win the games. And I think the Rangers squad in general, whether that was coming through... Uh, but Steven Gerrard was saying to them, or whether it was just hearing from Rangers fans the disappointment, or seeing in the media that here was a here was a, another bunch of Rangers players where when push came to shove, the wheels just came off. They had a look at themselves and came back with more resolve and more grit and more than determination than any Rangers have shown any Rangers side has shown in the last 10 years. You're having to go back to some of Walter Smith's sides to basically see that stealing resolve. And I think the players deserve a hell of a lot of credit. There's guys there who knew they were only going to be bit part players in this Rangers team, but what a bit and what a part they've actually played when they've been called upon, they've, they've come in and have done a job. You look at, you know, my, my two favourites this season have been Goldson, who has been outstanding at centre by, absolutely outstanding, and has inspired those around him, regardless of who you put next to him. He's been the mainstay. But above all else, McGregor. You don't win anything in football without having a goalkeeper. Anybody that tells you anything other than that is talking absolute shit. And I, and I go back to I go back to 92-93 season when Rangers went 44 games unbeaten, went unbeaten in Europe and won the domestic treble. And Andy Gorham won both the Football Writers and the Players Player of the Year award. Why? Because he made the saves that counted. And I think if you go back over the course of this season, even yesterday in Keep My Clean Sheet, Ibrooks, McGregor pulls out an absolute worldie. And, and and this could be his greatest ever season. A guy who, when he came back through the door at Rangers, the question a lot of people were asking, why are they bringing him back? I don't think I don't think Stephen Gerrard would have had the rope pulled over his eyes by a, a, a 30, 30-odd-year-old goalkeeper saying, oh, I can still do this without actually seeing something in training that means he could do it. So... All in all, I get many people to thank, but I think one guy who deserves special mention is Alan McGregor. Ian, what's at the what's at the forefront of your mind when you think back to this this season and, and just the context of this last ten years? Well, I think the one person who's not been mentioned so far, I agree with everything that everyone said so far, but the one person who's not been mentioned so far was Sandy Jarden. Obviously, no longer with us, but I mean the the way he came to the fore. 
10 years ago, stood up, galvanised the support, represented the support and, and took on the, the fight on behalf of the support was just incredible. And, and, you know, without him and without Ali McCoy, I think, you know, there would have been an easy way that uh, the Rangers fans could have... <clears throat> I don't think they would ever have... I don't think we would have walked away from it, but they, they needed that. They needed to be energised in some way and those two guys did the job and Sandy Jarden is, you know, did, did an incredible job then. On the pitch, uh, for me, the guy I'm really pleased for right now is uh, James Tavernier because he was, he has taken so much crap over the years from both, to be perfectly honest, Rangers supporters and uh, non-Rangers supporters. And he came in and he's gone through difficult times under uh, Warburton and then uh, uh, Pedro and uh, and all the others that were around those two. And, you know, he's come through strong. And this this season, he's been immense. You know, and, you know I know it's sort of levelled off a little bit in, in recent weeks, but, uh, but his contribution at the start of the season was absolutely amazing. And, you know, I'm so pleased for him because he's, you know, there's people who say he should be a Rangers captain. He's not gone. He's a loser, serial loser. You know, I mean, he's really defied that completely, and he's 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 never hidden at all either, uh, which is, you know, for me is 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 the main thing. He's he stood up to be counted, and 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 you know, I'm so pleased for him now that he's he's uh, going to be a, a Rangers championship winning captain which uh, obviously is and I hope he's back in time for the next uh, the next game where he can he can lift the trophy or whenever they do it Dougie what are your final thoughts for the evening? David I think the guys have said it perfectly you know we've been on one hell of a journey over the last 10 years and you could literally spend an entire podcast thanking everyone that's been a part of it for me it's it's special thanks to, to those individuals who have put themselves above the club, uh, above their own lives. And, you know, Alex mentioned Ali McCoist. You know, I backed Ali McCoist as, as manager, but it was it was what he was doing off the field that, that I backed more than anything. I marched with Sandy Jardin. Um, I stood when John Brown was, was, um, was protesting outside Ibrooks to the Spivs. And what we've, we've probably not mentioned in detail is six years ago, three men came into Ibrooks and they, they made a huge difference to our club. And we wouldn't be where we are just now if we didn't get the spivs out. And, you know, these, these guys have come into our club and they're the ones that we've got a lot to thank for. You know, they've, they've the ones that have put their own money into this club. I know that each of, each of us as supporters have, have backed the club greatly with their own season ticket money, you know, buying the merchandise, these guys have put in millions of pounds to, 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 to this football club. And as we all sit here and raise a glass tonight, I just want to thank these guys that have, that have put, themselves, put themselves out there and, and put Rangers um, to the top of their priority list. Thank you very much to the three Bears. Yeah, Ross, my, my Jersnet brother, um, you know, some weeks we've got a rouse ourselves after the pish result to come on and host this. Uh, not so much this season, it's been very, very good this season, but um, yeah, your, your final thoughts for the evening? Well, we've, had some, we've had some tough times. 
over the last three three four seasons, however long we've been doing this. But I, you know, actually, that, that's a really good summation there from Dougie. Uh, you know, I, I marched with Sandy Jardin. I protested with John Brown. Um, and actually, when you when you hear it like that, that that sums it up. I think, uh, and this isn't to discredit the other four gents who have spoken very very passionately about you know the, the folk who deserve a mention and, and thank you for getting us to where we are today. But I can't believe no one has mentioned Andy Firth. Um, <laughs> just, where Jimmy would, Bell. <laughs> where would where would we be without that wee scouse lad not playing but but celebrating harder than any of us? So I'd like to thank Andy Firth. And I'd like to thank every single person on the organising committee of the Veolia Trophy, because without that, I don't think we'd have had the confidence to do it this year. Um, so to those gentlemen, I say a sincere thank you. Um, you've allowed us the opportunity to really enjoy ourselves. Um, you've given us the confidence to, to go on, take Scottish football, European football, world football by storm. Um, and I'll I'll never forget the feeling of you know we've had some phenomenal results this season you know whether that's in Europe um, against Benfica against Antwerp against Galatasaray whether that's domestically you know yesterday against St Mirren beating Celtic twice so far but does anything top the Viola Trophy probably not. Um, and that's I don't I, I think those are the, you know talk you talk about Dave King you can talk about Ali McCoist but nah, nothing tops that for me it's been a, a hell of a year from start to finish agreed um, David David I, I really hope that the rumours of Amazon videoing um, this season is true I would love a series to appear on Amazon for us supporters to watch behind the scenes what's happened this year. And potentially, who knows what's happened behind the scenes in previous years? I would love a documentary. I'm visualising yeah. Ross going on holiday here with a, with the with the trophy tattooed on his calf. <laughs> oh, the um, Veolia. <laughs> exactly. uh, with, okay. with people in Marbella saying, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> Excuse me, sir. I don't holiday in Marbella. <laughs> right, I'm bringing this to an end because it's going a bit rogue. Um, but no, listen, this has been—I mean—to get to get the opportunity to be on this on a, the night of fifty-five, to the opportunity to host it has been magnificent. Um, I did try and get Talk Colin into um, hosting tonight because I felt you know he is. I think it's going to be said, Colin is Mister Gelsnet. Um, I'm sure he'll be back for his usual preview uh, show because he is an emotional so-and-so, so I'm sure he's enjoying tonight with his family. Um, maybe at George Square, who knows? I don't know. I'm not confirming that. Or, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it has been quite the journey um, for our club and our supporters. And uh, there's much more to come from Gersnet over the next few weeks. I mean, the season isn't over. That is, that is for sure. We are... We'll be back with a, a European preview pod on Wednesday night. We've got the game on Thursday. We'll be back next Sunday. Um, much more to come this season, much more to come from this team. Um, and if you want to listen to anything previously, if you want to catch up on this pod, if you've missed some of it, uh, it'll obviously be available on Monday um, or the usual platforms, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And if you like what we're doing, please like us on social media and whatever else, the usual stuff. Um, I'm emotionally exhausted, so thanks to all you guys for joining me tonight. It's been a, it's been a good it's been a good laugh. It's been good to reminisce a wee bit um, and look at what's been an incredible day and an incredible weekend. Fifty five is here. We are the people, and um, good night.